Okay, thank God for grace. The book of Philemon, if you would. The book of Philemon, that's the last book the Apostle Paul wrote. The book of Philemon. One of the great uh, things that's been wonderful yet surprising is in the area of forgiveness. And uh, I, I think it's interesting that uh, after we've been forgiven so much that uh, you see people that are not very good forgivers. And uh, that's always struck me uh, after what Christ has done in the fact of how much he's forgiven us of our own sin. And uh, it's amazed me that Christians sometimes can't get a hold of that. And as a result of that, they hold that inside and they divide and they fight and they hold grudges and things like that. So I'm going to be real practical this morning and talk to you on biblical forgiveness. And, uh, and the title of my message is, I Can Forgive. <laughs> I Can Forgive. And uh, matter of fact, Ephesians 4.32 is my life verse, I call it. And uh, it's out on a little plaque on the front of our church out there, actually, the verse. And I hope that we uh, always have that kind of spirit and attitude. Uh, I want to talk to, about... The Apostle Paul here, during his first imprisonment, a young man was introduced to him and began to be a part of his company. His name was Onesimus. Uh, they, they name names differently in the Bible, don't they? Onesimus. And uh, Onesimus, uh, he was a runaway slave. He had run away from his master by the name of Philemon. So Philemon, the last book, 13 books that Paul wrote, Philemon is the master, Onesimus is the slave. And uh, when Onesimus ran away as a slave, when he did that, he broke the Roman law, and at that time, he was not a believer. Now, Philemon, though, he was a believer. And it's assumed that he was a very honest, honorable, a very fair master, and he was a leader in the Colossian church. Onesimus, a slave, when he saw his chance, he took off. And he fled to Rome, as a lot of fugitives did, and he hoped that at least he could just kind of mix with the crowd and not be seen at all. And it's not told how God brought Paul and the gospel to Onesimus, but somewhere... Onesimus found freedom in Christ, and he was wonderfully saved. And when he was saved, that changed his life permanently. And let me just tell you, Christ can change your life permanently, can he, if you trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Onesimus quickly became then one of Paul's eager students while Paul's in prison. He could have visitors come in, and Onesimus was one of them. It states... In verse 12, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him. That is, mine own bowels or my inner parts. Verse 16, now, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, because you own him, Philemon, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And so Onesimus was willingly serving the Apostle Paul in his imprisonment. He says in verse 11, 
which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. He has been a blessing to me, Paul said. He's profitable for the ministry. And uh, in the past, he, he was but not a whole lot to you, but he's become profitable now. Verse 13, whom I would have retained with me. I want to keep him with me. That in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds, Paul's in prison, of the gospel. So the apostle Paul wished he could have kept Onesimus with him. But there was a critical issue that needed attention. And that tension, uh, that issue, I should say, was legal, it was spiritual, and it was relational. Here you have a runaway slave. In Roman law, that made him a felon. He's guilty of a serious crime. And he wanted, and he was wanted in man's eyes of the Roman law and their justice system. And he also must have stolen some goods or some money when he ran away from Philemon. It states in verse 18, If he had wronged thee or owed thee aught, Paul says, put that on my account. I mean, if he owes you anything, because he might have taken something here, I just want just put that in my account and I will take care of that later. Becoming a believer in Christ, he had to do what was right. He needed to be restored as a slave. After writing the book of Colossians to the Colossians, Paul writes a second letter to the Colossians, and it's the book of Philemon. And he writes this book of Philemon uh, to them, and he appeals to Philemon concerning this returning slave. He says in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, and I promise I'll draw this together and make it applicable real soon. All my state shall Tychicus, how you say that, Tychicus, declare unto you who is, beloved, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate, Philemon, and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, now notice what he says. A faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Paul writes to him the second letter and he explains the personal loss that he was experiencing by allowing Onesimus to return to him. But Roman law, if they caught Onesimus, and they found out it was him, he could have been put to death. But now a believer, Onesimus, was willing to face his defrauded, his defrauded master. And he knew his master was a brother in Christ. But no matter what, Onesimus, he said, I did wrong. And I'm willing to pay the consequences and the cost. He wanted to do what was right. And that's commendable. Remember slavery in the Roman Empire. Slavery was part of Rome's social structure. Uh, it was a commonplace thing. Uh, they say that at least one-fifth of the population of Rome, was, they were slaves. And so after 
Rome's conquest, they would bring slaves in. And then those slaves would have children. And those children were brought up, born a slave. And uh, that was Onesimus. But because they were assured back in those days, shelter, food, and clothes, slaves often were better off than the poor free men. Many of these slaves were instructors, teachers, cooks, housekeepers. Some of them still had to work in the mines and hard labor, no question. And sometimes the master would free their slaves for their faithful service to them. As a matter of fact, back then, sometimes people in need of money, they would sell themselves into slavery to a master for a year, two years, in order to gain a certain amount of money. And they would sell themselves at the end of the two years, then they would leave, they would be free again. And so this was going on at this time. But those who ran away, the consequences quite often were very awful. They did a lot of crucifixions back then even. Now, you have the, uh, Onesimus' master, he's Philemon. He had also been saved by Paul's preaching. Uh, it states in verse 1 of Philemon, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, Timothea, Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. And if you go into history, you'll find out that it was through Paul's gospel that made him a fellow laborer. And so Paul's message had reached Philemon. He was a very wealthy man, enough to have a large house where the Colossian church met. That's where his wife, Epiphia, and son, Archippus, were prominent members. In verse 2, it says this here. And to our beloved Epiphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. So his kindness to Onesimus when he was there, he was a fair master, was returned by fraud and thievery. And so it was a serious crime. Paul sends this letter to urge Philemon to forgive Onesimus and receive him as a brother in Christ. You know, Paul's not trying to take away his punishment, but he's trying to say, listen, something unbelievably wonderful has happened in his life. He's gotten saved. You know, I remember when I was first saved and the life that God saved me out of and I'd go to church and it didn't matter uh, to the people. Uh, they were successful business people, other things, and they just accepted me right in the fold. That's what the gospel of grace does. And that's what happened to Onesimus here. Uh, Paul wasn't trying to remove his punishment but Philemon, you need to understand he's a brother in Christ now. And what I want you to do, I want you to receive him as a brother in Christ. I want you to receive him as you would receive me. That was Paul's message to Philemon. He wanted restoration. Now, Paul, I believe, was confident in his sons in the Lord. These were his sons in the Lord. Through him and his message, he had won them to Christ. 
it states in verse 19 and following, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, whatever he owes. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my vows in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I'm going to trust you, Philemon. I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. I want you to know I have faith in you. You're a believer in Christ. They're having church in your house. This boy here that was one of your slaves, he's been saved. And I want you to receive him as a brother in Christ. And what I'm asking you to do, even if I have to pay for what he took, I believe you'll even do better than I'm asking you. That was Paul's faith in Philemon. According to church history, Philemon responded exactly as Paul would expect him to. It's recorded that Philemon sent Onesimus back to Paul, where Onesimus ministered to Paul for some time while Paul was in prison. Now, this was interesting to me. In 110... A.D., Christian leader Ignatius, pastor, bishop of the church at Antioch, wrote to the church at Ephesus. He mentions the church's bishop and pastor many times, and his name was Onesimus. Now think that through. His name, the pastor of the church, was Onesimus. Paul wrote, Philemon in 61 A.D. And then Onesimus must have been in his 20s. And then in 110 A.D., he'd be in his 70s. He'd be the right age. And Ignatius used to write and remind him of the book of Philemon from time to time. F.F. Bruce, on the gathering together, the canon of the scripture of the Bible says Onesimus was likely the one who gathered, collected, and preserved the letters of the Apostle Paul. When you think about all of this, you think about a runaway slave. He saved, restored, forgiven, eventually becoming a very important pastor position and a force in the early development of the gathering of Paul's epistles, the canon of Scripture. And all I can say is that's a testimony of God's amazing grace. As a matter of fact, Onesimus the slave, who became the pastor, he was reportedly martyred during the reign of Emperor Trajan. And the reason he was martyred, he refused to denounce the name of Christ. He was one of those early church heroes. He came from being a loser to becoming a hero for Christ. That's amazing. This former slave now became a slave of Jesus Christ. And isn't it a joy to know that in spite, just like that song that Stan and the family sang there, in spite of our sin, our failures, we can never go beyond God's grace or forgiveness.
He has a purpose to remake us. He has a purpose to take us where we never, ever imagined we could go. There are two important lessons to point out. One, God's grace can save, forgive, transform anybody who will be willing to believe in the gospel of grace. It doesn't matter who you are, what status you are, what color you are, what level of wealth you have. It doesn't matter or how bad you've been and what sin you've committed. You cannot outrun and go beyond the grace of God. Christ died for you. He was buried. He rose again. If you would believe in that message, he'd save you for all eternity. I did that at the age of 24. Greatest decision I've ever made. And it's the greatest decision you'll ever make if you will believe in the gospel. He will save you. The second point is God's grace enables forgiveness. It not only saves us, God's grace enables us forgiveness. It was grace working that Philemon forgave Onesimus. Perhaps you're here this morning. You've been hurt, talked about, your ex-spouse nightmare. (laughs) You've been in an abusive situation with your father or your mate. Someone in business saying things about you or they've used you. You've been in school, perhaps you've been bullied. You've had a run-in or rub or conflict with somebody in church. You're having a family dispute. You've lost your job. You've been hurt by a decision. Our natural instinct is revenge. It's to get even. It's to hold a grudge. And it's even to become bitter and have those feelings that people can sense when they're even around you. But when you do that, all you do is place yourself in a prison. You're in a prison. And because you're in that prison of unforgiveness, it's taken away your drive, your happiness, your potential, just because you won't forgive. It's time that every believer here, we can move on for Jesus Christ, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing toward those things that are before us. Somebody said, well, you don't know how bad I've been hurt. Well, all of us here can say that. We've all been hurt. It'd be easy to become bitter and mad. I have to put up with Carol all the time. It's a tough. I'm so bad. I am. I'm sorry. Forgive me. But some of you were frowning at me when I was speaking. I just wanted to lighten it up a little bit. But you say, how can I? How can I forgive? It's when you as a believer, you truly understand the depth of your sinfulness that God forgave and what it cost him on the cross to pay for that debt. 
Amen. It's realizing that it was Christ who has forgiven you, you can forgive others. And forgiveness is not some emotional experience. It's not a feeling. Forgiveness simply is a choice, a simple choice. Forgiveness is a promise to stop resenting the other person. I'm not holding anything against you because of what you've done. I'm giving up of my thought of getting even with you, any revenge. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray you live for God. I no longer will purposely avoid you. I'm letting this offense go. I'm dismissing it. It's over. Do you know grace also means a gift? You're giving them a gift. It's called grace. When I forgive, like Philemon, that's our faith and our obedience to God. When I forgive, it's my act of love for what Christ has done for me. When I forgive, it's my consideration that God the Holy Spirit who indwells me is working in me to live and do what's right here. When I forgive, it's my releasing the offender, but even more, it's releasing me out of that prison. It'll do you more good (laughs) in your life. I promise you of that. God's grace can enable you if you just will embrace his grace. Hebrews 12, 15 says this, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. It's there. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. The reason that it's bothering you and seething in you and causing bitterness in you and and feelings and grudges inside of you, you've not availed yourself to the grace of God so you can forgive. It states in Romans 12, 21, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen? You say, that's hard. Sure it is. But when you do it, there's something, there's like a bird starts singing in your heart. Colossians 3.13 says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. My life verse, Ephesians 4.32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. How much did he forgive? Your past sin, your present sin, your future sin. All of it's forgiven. And if he's forgiven me all my sin, who am I not to exemplify God's grace to somebody else? Unforgiveness will take you down. Unforgiveness can hinder a church's power. Did you know that? I remember uh, reading about a revival out in Texas. And the evangelist was there. He said it was cold. He said he preached on Sunday, cold. He preached on Monday, cold. 
preached on Tuesday, cold. He said, I'm preaching tonight and I'm leaving. He was supposed to be there the rest of the week. He said, this is awful. And so he preached that night and two women who had held grudges against each other, one went to the altar over here, one went to the altar over here, and they looked up and saw each other and they went together and made things right. As a result of that, that night after they did that, seven people came to Christ. The revival meetings were extended. Unforgiveness can quench the Spirit of God from moving corporately in a church. Unforgiveness could prevent another Onesimus. Hello? When you forgive somebody, you don't know what that might do in their life. God might take that and do something supernaturally down the road in their life, and one day they come back and say something to you even about it. But there might be an Onesimus sitting there that you've held a grudge against. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God would get a hold of them and do something with their life? And then unforgiveness will hinder our peace. I've told this story. It's a true story. They were having a jubilee in Atlanta. I met my friend Charlie Chapman, who's in heaven today, shouting probably. And uh, met with him, and we went to this jubilee. And the music, choir, everybody was just wonderful. And uh, an older man got up, and he gave a testimony. His son was a Christian. He was a policeman. His dad had a police band radio. And he was listening that night. His son was in pursuit of a criminal. And in that pursuit, he wrecked his police car and he was killed instantly. Now this is true. His dad heard all of that. Can you imagine that? And as his dad heard all of that, He said he fell down on the ground and cried out to God for grace. That was one week, I believe, and then he's at this meeting. And he gives this testimony. And he says, the reason I sing now is because I know my son is in heaven. Not bitter, not angry, but he experienced the grace of God. And he said, I know my son's in heaven. And then he sang the song, look for me, for I will be there too. Amen? I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing when you can come to your life and regardless of what somebody or something or some circumstance has created inside of you, all of this build up, whether it's anger or bitterness or whatever, this unforgiveness, Like Onesimus, first of all, God can save you or he can restore a relationship with you. He can forgive you to save you. Now, if you can forgive others yourself, he'll restore you into a relationship with him and the journey is exciting when it happens, isn't it? Amen. 
I don't know if you've been holding something against a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a husband, a wife, a church member, somebody you work with, somebody you go to school with. Let me just say it's not worth it. It's not worth We can forgive. Be a kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Bury it. It's over. I'm going forward. I forgive. Amen? Father, we love you. Thank you for your grace. Grace in saving us, and then that grace that works in our life that enables us to do something like this, to forgive somebody. And while our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, and nobody is looking around, how many would say, even at this moment, there's somebody I'm forgiving right now. I forgive. Just raise your hand right now. Just say, I forgive. God bless you. God bless you. Several hands. That was worth the whole morning right there. Now, if you're here and you don't know Christ, you've never been saved. You've never put only your faith in Christ's death for your sins, his burial, and his resurrection. If you would believe that he's a son of God, he died for your sins, he was buried, he rose again. If you will believe that at this moment, he'll save you this moment. Right there in your heart, right now. Just tell God. He, he knows your heart. And just say, God, I believe. Forgive me of my sin, which are many, but God, I believe what your son did on that cross for me. It's enough to save me for all eternity. God, I believe. And if you do believe, he'll save you at that very moment. Just do that right now. Now, Father, you know the hearts, you know the people. And I just pray that there were some people even at that moment who told you that they believed and they believed it in their heart. Now work in their heart. Help them not ever to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May they be willing to stand for that and may they be willing to forgive because of what Christ just did for them. And everybody said, Amen. We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.